Good afternoon. I'm Dr. Jill Brooks from First Healthcare Compliance. Welcome to our noontime webinar. We are so pleased to have Steve Rutkefis joining us today. He is the president and CEO of Choice Technologies. He will be discussing why a risk assessment is so important for your practice. Steve? Hello. Hi, my name is Steve Rutkevitz, and I'm the CEO of Choice Technologies. Uh, we'll be celebrating our 20th year in business in January, and we're an information technology and business process company, and we specialize in three areas, uh, security and compliance, managed services, and consulting and design. We've been involved in the design, implementation, and support of over uh, 200 medical systems over the last 15 years. And currently, we speak, I speak nationally on security and compliance as it pertains to HIPAA, meaningful use, and specialize in the, the healthcare IT. What's unique today is we've actually developed and innovated a total security and compliance solution for the medical industry. And this process is called assess address and maintain. Um, I'm going to take you back around 2000 when HIPAA first came out and basically there was a lot of paper billing and the government decided to get that all kind of automated and HIPAA came out and a lot of systems went to this electronic medical building and we basically were known for networks so we basically started um, being called in to build out a lot of these networks for companies for medical billing and billing only. And we had some security issues, but it wasn't that big of a deal at the time. And then fast forward to like 2005 when electronic medical records started getting popular, and then 2007 forward as meaningful use got popular, we were building and supporting more and more billing and practice management or EMR systems and now if you fast forward to today, the big thing now is security and compliance. Along with our network integration and management business for, for medical practices, we were also called in quite often for, for security issues. So in security issues, we've been called in over the years, dozens and dozens of breaches, hacks, internal, external, and we would have to go in and kind of clean things up for practices and get them back and working. So based on those two things, we've actually developed this program called Assess, Address, and Maintain. And the reason is we found that most practices really want to have the right security and compliance in place, but either didn't know where to start, didn't have the steps, or had a problem figuring out how to actually accomplish it. A lot of the big hospitals have a lot of resources to actually put toward security and compliance, but most small to medium-sized practices really don't have the resources and sometimes not the manpower because they're so busy to actually put this in place. So we came up with an affordable approach that kind of is comprehensive and again it's called assess, address, and maintain. And the first step is the assess which is the risk assessment. If we found that by doing a good risk assessment that identifies the vulnerabilities and the risk to your practice then putting the plan and maintaining the plan is kind of you know, easy because the risk assessment was done properly. The risk assessment allows us to pinpoint the exact vulnerabilities and risks in your practice. So there's really three components to the risk assessment. There's administrative, physical, and technical safeguards. And 
on the risk assessment, it's in, you have to look at your external vulnerabilities and your internal vulnerabilities, which I'll tell you more about. And you need to do this risk assessment annually. When we work with practices, you know, we started seeing all the compliances, and it's really not just one or two compliances. Most practices we do today, depending on whatever, you know, specialty or non-specialty, have HIPAA compliance, they have high tech, they have meaningful use one, meaningful use two, and we also noticed that most practices, like 99% of them also take credit cards. So the risk assessment that we've developed the common theme between all these different compliances and reimbursements is a mandatory risk assessment. The risk assessment's required. So when we developed the risk assessment, we developed one risk assessment that actually accomplishes taking care of the risks for HIPAA, high tech, meaningful use one and two, uh, PCI and credit cards. Okay. So the big question is, where is your practice today? So my guess is, you know, just about every practice out there is going to have a billing system and an EMR. Um, I would say 99% of the practices we see today either have an EMR, either first generation or second generation, but there are a few that are still selecting and, you know, putting in an EMR. Um, you know, most practices are either put in or in the process of putting in a patient portal, and then they usually have interfaces to labs and you know other interfaces with their EMR. So a lot of times we hear, well, you know, I don't have to worry about security and compliance because my EMR company has it. But the reality of it is we're kind of in the trenches and the boots on the ground and we see the a lot more than just EMR and billing in 99% of the practices we support. You know, most if not all practices we support have email, so maybe some kind of texting. They have mobile devices and they have multiple types. They might have uh, iPhones, Droids, Windows devices. It's kind of a bring your own uh, device. You know, we're seeing more and more medical equipment being tied in, whether it's a, a halter monitor or EKG machine or uh, ultrasound equipment that's being tied in. So all the new medical equipment that's coming out today is all being interfaced with EMRs to collect the data to um, streamline the input. We see a lot of wireless connections, whether it's the uh, patient area where it has the wireless or the doctors with the tablets in their actual um, patient offices, patient rooms, also wireless. Um, we see a lot of hospital interfaces. We see you know, a lot of documents. We see PDFs. We see Excel spreadsheets. We see Word documents. And then the whole remote access where the doctor might be able to log in in the middle of the night and have to be able to get quick access to the records securely to be able to get the patient records. We see a lot of images, whether it's x-rays, MRI, CT scans. Remember, DICOM images all have social security numbers and patient information on every single image that has to be protected. We see web browsing, web browsing to go to the insurance companies to look up you know, insurance eligibility, and the list goes on and on. So today what we're seeing is more and more technology implemented in medical practices and you have to really kind of get your arms around everything in order to put a plan together to um, protect it. Um, the second big thing that we see is, you know, where is the EPHI? Where is the ele electronic protective health information when it's in rest and in motion? So 
a lot of times we'll see this patient information is on site, on servers, workstations, tablets, it's actually on site. You know, a lot of things are actually going to the cloud. So an EMR could be in the cloud or it could be on site. It could be the billings on site, the EMRs in the cloud. We kind of see every combination. And we don't really see two systems that are the same. Or it could be a hybrid. We're seeing a lot more hybrid solutions where some of the EPHI is actually in-house and some's actually in the cloud. But you have to be able to identify where this information is. Is it on the mobile devices or the tablets? Is there data on the PCs? We see sometimes you know, users printing out reports and they're going to the workstation instead of back to the server. We see data often, um, EPHI data on laptops. But I will tell you that most of the times when you ask the practice, do you know where your EPHI data is? You really don't know. And the problem is if you don't know where your EPHI lives, it's pretty hard to actually put a, um, a plan together to button things up. So like for instance, when you talk about meaningful use two, and it talks about you have to have encrypted messaging, well, if you don't know where your EPHI lives and how you move your EPHI, it's kind of hard to figure out what kind of encryption to put in place for your messaging. So the other thing, once you know where your EPHI data is, then the question is who's watching things and who's supporting your information. So you know, when we look at practices, they either have one of pretty much four combinations right now. The first is kind of an in-house staff. They might have one, two, three, or four people you may have on staff to manage your IT. And usually these staff IT people are very versed in technology, managing servers, break fix, uh, and software, but they haven't been formally trained in you know, HIPAA security and, and compliance. It's really a different skill set. And I would actually go out and say that um, you know, compliance is really not a non-technical skill set. It has to do with policies and procedures and uh, the rules that are in place. And it ties to technology, but it's really kind of separate. Um, a lot of you may have outsourced IT companies, which you know, do a great job of managing your IT, but they're not, again, trained necessarily in security and compliance. We have a lot of um, IT vendors in the country that kind of use us as a referral to help them with these risk assessments um, because we're so specialized. And just like an internist may refer to an ENT specialty, we're becoming more of the specialist for healthcare providers and working with a lot of IT companies across, across the nation. Um, you may also have what's called a multi-vendor. So sometimes you know, we hear, well, the EMR company is taking care of the HIPAA and compliance with the EMR, and then another company is taking care of the email and, let's say, documents, but then there's cracks because nobody's kind of watching the whole thing. So this multi-vendor you have to be aware of because somebody's got to be responsible, either compliance officer, to make sure everything's kind of protected. And then we also see kind of hospital staffs. A lot of practices are either affiliating or being purchased by hospitals. And we've been in situations, and one recently, where we asked the practice who just affiliated with the hospital, who's taking care of the security and compliance? And they said the hospital, and they gave us the name of a person. We called them and said, no, they're taking care of it. So nobody really knew who was taking care of it, and we kind of helped identify that. And now we're kind of helping them through the process. <laughs> So you have to really know where that EPHI is, and that's really critical in the risk assessment. Okay. 
So the first step in the risk assessment is what's called the external analysis. It's understanding where your external threats are. So these are threats that are coming in from the rest, from the internet and the rest of the world. And the way we do that is we set up what's called a penetration test. And the penetration test is actually a way of simulating an attack. So we don't really attack your system. We have software that we install that remotely we go out to your firewall and your premises and we run this software and we simulate an attack. And it looks at your firewall, it looks at your whole system setup, and it tells us where those vulnerabilities are. So um, it's basically looking at what your vulnerabilities are to the outside world. This is really key because you know, hackers are trying to break into firewalls all the time. And they can just run these routines on your firewalls and then let them run for a month at a time. And then if it gets through, it cracks through, they can get the medical records and then sell that information for money. And it's really key to have your, your system really kind of buttoned up. Uh, we did a penetration test yesterday for a client. So just to give you an example, and they had all these ports that were open from like years ago when email was actually done different. So a firewall is not something you look at every day, and it seems like most companies are good at adding and adding and adding these ports and opening windows to allow data in and out, but they're not real good at buttoning things and deleting things that aren't needed anymore. So you really have to keep a close eye on these firewalls and only let the traffic in and out. It's really critical to your practice. If not, it, it, it gives you an exposure to these outside hacks that you hear about every day. The second um, part of the risk assessment after you do the external analysis is the internal analysis. And the internal analysis takes a little more time and we go a little more in depth. But what you really have to do is look at all your servers, workstations, applications, switches, mobile devices. You have to look at all the equipment that's inside of your practice and make sure that you have the right patches, the right security the right encryption on the wireless. There's a lot to looking at the internal network because a lot of these internal threats actually can come from the internal source, which I'll explain in a second. And then the second thing you're looking at with internal threats is your physical part. So if you want to look at the room, you want to make sure the room's locked. I mean, so for example, you could have the best security system in place on your technology, but if it's sitting in an open room, let's say in a hallway or in a kitchen, Anybody can grab that information and take it. You know, it's really not so safe. So you want to keep things locked, protected. You know, sometimes you'll look at whether a sprinkler is sitting on top of the, you know, server, and if you know, it's a risk. Um, alarms like temperature and humidity. If the heat gets too hot on the server, that's a risk of having a, a system shut down. So when we look at the risk assessment. We're looking at the external and all the internal risks that could probably or could happen to a practice. And um, once, you, once you do that, get the external internal um, risk assessment, uh, the next step is the executive, executive summary, which we compile all the information. What we do is we basically document all the risks and vulnerabilities. So what we find is everybody seems to really want to have a good best practices security in place, but they really don't know how to do it. So the, by understanding your baseline and understanding what you're pinpointing the risks, it's very easy then to put a plan together to uh, button things up. So 
it's understanding the risks that we document. Uh, we document where the EPHI lives in rest and in motion, and then we make recommendations to mitigate the risks, and then we actually put a plan together, step-by-step -step plan of how to keep things safe long-term so um, you know, you're free from having these problems. Now, what we do find is when we put these systems in place, you know, sometimes we find very little risks and there's not much to button up. Sometimes we find them in the middle and the IT company could be doing an okay job, but we really need to button things up. Or sometimes we find gaping holes. You know, I really think it, it's advisable to have an outside company come in and do these risk assessments just to make double sure that everything you have in place is right. Um, you know, finding a small little hole that somebody else didn't see could be that one window where, you know, somebody can come in and hack your system. So if you don't have um, risk, you, it's very tough to be compliant. And um, you, know, you really need a total solution. And that's why we also work with uh, First Healthcare Compliance, because they actually do the policies, the procedures, and the training. And together, we have a totally comprehensive solution. So the risk assessment is really the key and then putting the steps together to actually implement and button things up and tighten up the security is, um, is, is really crucial. So once we get the risk assessment done, we make some recommendations. And I just want to share with you some of the recommendations that we make. Um, and you know, there's a lot of them. And we can talk about these different recommendations all day. But I'll share with you just a, a few ideas so it, so it makes more sense. The first thing and the most inexpensive thing you could possibly do is have patch management from the servers, workstations, and all your devices. These vulnerabilities and these um, security risks are happening very quickly and actually happening nonstop. And when you have a breach or a hack, you know what we find is it's like lightning. It's like it happens so fast. Somebody comes in, they click on an email, they open up an attachment, and then boom, the virus is on is released and it starts taking over a system. It happens very quickly. So Microsoft has Patch Tuesday, Adobe has constant patches that are coming out, the firewall companies, everybody has these patches that are coming out as soon as they know of an exploit. And the patch management is an automated way to push these patches out you know, on a routine or almost instant basis if need be to lots of devices, servers, and workstations to keep buttoning things up and tightening up um, the network. So automated patch management is inexpensive today and highly recommended for most practices if they don't have it. The second thing is encryption. Encryption I could talk about for, for two more hours, but the encryption is really critical because when you look at these fines, I mean, when, when those Office of Civil Rights says they're going to you know, put out these fines, it could be up to a million and a half dollars. What most people don't know is if you have encryption on your data that got breached, it's not a breachable offense. So the example might be that let's say a laptop gets, gets stolen, or let's say a laptop gets um, left in the back of a taxi with, with a lot of medical records on there. If you don't have encryption on it and that information gets out, that's a breachable offense and it's findable, a breachable offense. If the laptop has encryption, which is like scrambling the data and have encrypted software on there, and it gets, you know, uh, 
taken by somebody and the information gets out for some reason, it's not a breachable offense if you can prove that you had encryption. So most people don't realize that. When you also look at meaningful use two, it says that your um, your messaging has to be encrypted. Well, that's a pretty loaded question, and how do you really solve that problem? So, you know, when you look at encryption, um, you have you have to first look at the data and see where that data is moving, and then you can define how to encrypt that data. One of the really cool technologies we see really emerging very quickly, which is a cottage industry as of last year, is encrypted texting. We're seeing that a lot of doctors actually like the ability to text because it's so quick and convenient. And there's some newer technologies out for encrypted texting. It's very affordable, low cost. And um, that's something that you know we're, we're implementing. You can encrypt email. But again, you have to look at where your, your flow is. And then you can kind of figure out around that. Mobile device management, as you know, there's a big sea change going on between PCs and mobile. And the world is kind of going mobile right now. So you have to have these tools in place to be able to um, delete information quickly if it's personal or corporate information. You have to be able to um, push software and or virus scanning, whatever, out to these mobile devices quickly and patches. So being able to manage these mobile devices to keep them secure and compliant is um, you know, another recommendation we make from time to time. And then the logging and alerting. When you get into compliance, there's um, in HIPAA, you have to have logs and you have to review those logs periodically. So there's solutions we put in place that are low cost. Um, to actually keep track of the logging and alerting for um, compliance. So that's just some examples of what we do. Um, and again, the key is assess, address, and maintain. It's really getting a good risk assessment, then addressing the, um, the vulnerabilities, and then maintaining it long term. Because once you do the risk assessment and button things up, you kind of have to watch things long term so you don't fall behind and then go back into a risk cycle again. So um, that's really important. Um, so just to recap, you know, why the risk assessment is so important. You know, it's required to meet compliance, um, to protect your reputation. And I, I got to say that reputation is key. I mean, if you get a breach and data gets out, you know, once, I mean, I think it's pretty forgiving. But if it happens several times, it could really, you know, hurt a, a reputation of a practice. and. Um, you know, it's really critical to kind of button things up so you don't have this problem. The other thing is, you know, being audit ready. I mean, there's simple tools out today that if you did have a breach, I mean, I think Office of Civil Rights is saying that they're going to audit or in some way, you know, 20% of the practices. It's being ready with reports and, and just having your, your ducks in a row so if you do get audited, you're ready to go and produce the information. Um, you know, the monetary incentives for met for basically meaningful use and making sure you can get your meaningful use reimbursements. Um, you know, there's stories where actually meaningful use can be revoked if you don't have the right risk assessments and policies in place. So it's important to uh, make sure you have your meaningful use one, two done properly so you can get those assessments. Um, you want to avoid the fines. You hear about um, several practices have been fined because they, the records have actually leaked out. And from a company that does a lot of support and manages a lot of um, practices, I think one of the top things is avoiding downtime. When you have these uh, breaches or we see these, these hacks or attacks, it just, you know, really is a problem with, you know, downtime. These systems can be down 
for, for days, if not weeks, and it's very difficult to see patients and run a practice, you know, without their medical records today, working all the time. So, you know, part of this whole risk assessment is really to avoid downtime. I mean, the goal is to have as close to 100% uptime as you possibly can and uh, avoid downtime. So, you know, if you don't know the risks, uh, you don't know how to protect your practice, and the key is uncovering the unknown. And that's what we help you do. Um, so we have a couple more minutes, and uh, I just want to share one last thought is, you know, a lot of people think that IT services, security, and compliance are really the same. They actually blur together to some degree. So I was, I was trying to uh, put together like a really good analogy that would explain how like security and compliance are kind of different. I actually saw a really good analogy on the internet. And the internet's kind of, uh, the analogy would be like a motorcycle. So like in the state of Maryland, you know, there's a helmet law. And in order to ride a motorcycle, you need a helmet. So the compliance is you have to have a helmet in order to ride a motorcycle on the street. But you can still have a t-shirt, pair of shorts, and flip-flops, but as long as you have a helmet, you're compliant doing the bare bones. With security, you know, the motorcycle driver would have a pair of good boots, maybe gloves to protect their hands and boots to protect their feet. They'd have like pants with padding and a jacket with shoulder padding and just being really prepared that if they did have a spill or a wipeout, that they would still be protected. Now, putting that extra gear in place may cost a little more money, but they're going to be super protective and not just a helmet. So it's really a pretty good analogy of what we're seeing in medical practice today. If you just go with the bare bones compliance, um, you might get by, but the key is really doing the security properly and putting the right um, solutions in place to really protect your practice so, so you can avoid having these problems, um, fines and downtime. So I just want to share with you that analogy so it kind of separates what security and compliance is. Um, again, my name is Steve Rutkiewicz, CEO of Choice Technologies. I'm leaving my email here. It's uh, sjr at choicetech.com. Feel free to email me with any and all questions. I'll be happy to answer them. We have about 40 people on staff, and um, you know, we're, our whole company has been certified in, in HIPAA compliance. And um, you know, we can answer any and all questions. And feel free to you know, reach out to us. I want to thank. Um, the team at First Healthcare Compliance today for um, inviting us to do the webinar, and uh, thank you very much. Well, thank you for joining us today, Steve. Um, thank you for a very informative discussion of risk assessment. Uh, Steve's contact information is on the screen for any questions. His presentation will be available on our YouTube channel shortly, and if you have other questions uh, for us, feel free to contact us at 888-541st or you can email us at info at firsthcc.com. Thank you and have a nice day.